So this story is called Brexit. It's a fucking terrible thing, one of the apprentices said. Now we can't just up and leave and go and work in a bar in Ibiza or anywhere like that. It's no right, man. Because oh, if you'd ever do that anyway, the other apprentice laughed, tearing into his packed lunch. Yeah, fuck off, I mate, you never know. Aye, no bother, mate. So that's it. That's your big anti-Brexit argument, that now you can't go to Ibiza and get a job in the Highlander or Kilty's Bar or anywhere like that. Aye, well, that and other stuff as well. Like what? Well, like, it's a shame, isn't it, for the refugees and that. The poor cunts can't come out here now. It's a sin. What are you used to bumping your gums about? The boss said, walking in with a rolling sausage and a cup of tea. Oh, just politics and that, Bobby. Nothing you'd be interested in. Ah, you're right there. Politics. Bobby shook his head. Bunch of crooks. They're all the same, they politicians. We're just, uh, we're just talking about leaving the EU. What's your thoughts on that, Algin? You for or against it? Yeah, I don't know. Bobby sat down in the flare and pulled at his roll for his greasy paper bag. I'll not be voting anyway. Well, Bobby, it's already been voted for, mate. It's happening. What? The two apprentices looked at each other. Bobby, we vote, voted in that referendum like, like two years ago, mate. Fuck's sake, I had no idea. So what's the script? So we're leaving this, this, uh, what's it called? The European Union. How do you not know about this? Like I told you, it's because I don't care. I don't pay attention to politics. One of the apprentices just laughed to himself. Like, what is it? What are you laughing at now? Bobby asked. It's just, I, I can't believe you've never heard of Brexit. That's mental. Brexit? Said Bobby. What's that? What does that mean? The apprentices just laughed out loud. What is it? Tell me. Is that a politics thing as well, eh? Right, so Bobby, you didn't know we were leaving the EU. You didn't even know there was a vote. And now you're telling us you've never even heard the word Brexit. You're at it. You're at the wind-up, man, surely. Bobby looked all flustered. No, I mean, I, of course I've heard the word Brexit. I've not been living under a rock. Right, all right then, said one of the apprentices. Use it in a sentence then. All right then, aye, eh. Right, Brexit. Bobby racked his brains. Eh, have you got my tape measure there, wee man, aye? The apprentice checked his pocket. Eh, aye, I've got it here. Right, well, don't get to him in case he wrecks it. There you go, pair of arseholes. Bobby grabbed his lunch and went to eat it by himself in the van. <laughs> so that voice you heard there was, of course, Chris McQueer. And that was me trying to really laugh in the background. <laughs> uh, Chris, thanks for coming along and doing oh, the podcast. Cheers for getting me on, this is good. Uh, that's a story is from the new collection, HWFG, am I right about that? Mm. Great, so... Uh, so on, eh? Um, let's talk about that first then, since it's coming out in November. HWFG, your new book of short stories. Aye. Was this a difficult, more difficult book to write than Hines? It was, aye. Difficult second, second album, that's what I keep saying. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it was big time. Like, um, just I felt the pressure with this book yeah. that I didn't really feel with Hines. So when I was writing Hines, I wasn't really, I wasn't planning on getting published. I was just writing stories and putting them online. So there wasn't any kind of real pressure. But no, like, I don't know, people are kind of expecting it to be good. Yeah. And they're hoping it's going to live up to Hines. So I was a lot of pressure on me with this one. But, um, it was so, good, it was good, good fun go, reading it. Going back to things, that, uh, so how did you start with, with writing in the first place? Is it something you've Aye. always done? Or? Um, no really, no, I've all been a big reader. If I was a wee boy, if I was old enough to read, I've always had a book on the go. But um, 
it's kind of always been in the back of my head to, to try writing, to always get a go on it. I just never did for some mm-hmm. reason. Um, well, when I was when I was 13 or 14, I tried to write a novel and it wasn't. It. I got like four or five pages in there and I just get kind of bored of it. I was just yeah. like, it was a big, big task to take on at 14 so um, just get bored it quite quick and it wasn't very good so that was me and then the early years it was you know, it was always in the back of my mind like I'd have wee ideas for stories or like, ideas for films and stuff like that would be cool man I should sit down and write that but I just never did Yeah. and then it was two years ago I sat down and I thought you know, I'm just, I'm just going to do it I'm just going to try it I'm just going to get a go and I've sat down and wrote a story called The Moth yeah. which is in the new book right that's been that ever since, just kept at it since then. It's the first time I've ever like, stuck it, first time I've ever tried and then stuck it. Was there a, an inspiration, you know, like someone's book or something that you kind of went, I, like, I can do that or I think I can do that? I went through a wee, it's a good wee patch where like every book I was reading was just amazing. I think I had a good week in a six month period where every book I was reading was just amazing. So um, I was reading stuff by like um, Amelia Gray, American right. short story writer. Um, then get really into Elvin Welsh and I started reading loads of Murakami stuff. I was like, oh, oh yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. It's really weird. This is what I've been looking for, this kind of like magical realism. Yeah. This is what I've been wanting. Uh-huh. And um, so that kind of got me thinking about writing even more. And then my pal told me this story about a mate of his who was working down in England. He was driving his works van and this, this moth flew into his van and it flew into his ear. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't get it out, so he was pushing his finger and trying to get this moth out and he just pushed it in further and it's fucking, it was horrible. And I was like, oh, mental like that'd be a cool wee story like what if that was told for the moth's point of view I thought I'm going to write that and then I just went for it <laughs> uh, uh, since this, and you said you, you were always a reader so what kind of uh, stuff did you read when you were when you were younger yeah, when I was growing up I was always a non-fiction like just, uh, yeah. just to sit in encyclopedias and just did sit, you? Uh, you just take it on so um we were talking about that the other day, the idea that encyclopedia salesmen, there must be, that's it, you know, <laughs> games of war games, because know. who's, who's going to have them? I know. My yeah. old man, he was taking, uh, I think there were kids' ones that he got us when we, when, when we were little, uh, and he was taking them to a charity shop, and he says, well, there's nobody, you know, unless they just <laughs> want to sit in the shelves. I know. So that was it, lots of non-fiction? Lots of non-fiction, um, writing about animals, writing about dinosaurs, and then I get really into, like, the... Sort of horrible science books and horrible histories, yes, horrible yes. geography. I read all of them, get really into them. And then I get really into goosebumps, like kind of horror, horror yeah. books, get into them. And then um, I read The Time Machine when I was like nine or ten, which blew me away. Like, see that final chapter, and they're like, or the second last chapter, and they're like right in the distant future. Yeah, like, yeah. Just falling apart, and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. And then I was a teenager, loads of and Welsh stuff, and that, and then. And was that uh, off your own back, or was you reading lots of books about the house, or libraries, or what was the... I it was like, my granny was a big reader, mom's a big reader as well, so they were always reading, so yeah. I would see the books that they had lying about the house, yeah. kind of pick them up and read, it, read the blub and stuff, oh, that'd be good, and then they would always be going to the library, so they'd take me away. Yeah, yeah. I would just, I just kind of fell into Because that's some wireless members is going to the library and going, aye. they would go and, you know, wherever they went, uh, and sit you in the kids' section, or aye, later on, as you say, in the horror section, so just sitting cross-legged in the floor, oh, brilliant, just through things. Brilliant. Man. Horrible <laughs> history is really interesting, because I think there's aye. a bit of that definitely influencing some of your short stories. <laughs> uh, and also Orvin Welsh, and, uh, uh, and I think Lemmy Schumer as well. Mm-hmm. So, they are very funny stories, is that something that you always wanted to do was to kind of tell these no really when I first started writing the first couple of stories I wrote were quite dark and there was a wee kind of hints of sci-fi and stuff in mm. there so but then I I'd 
don't know, I tried, I just tried writing a kind of a comedy story and I loved it, I thought this is great fun, like making myself laugh, it's brilliant, laughing at main jokes and um, I just really enjoyed that and I thought right I'll try and kind of mix sci-fi and dark stuff with humour and then that's what kind I mean, of led to the kind of story that's on things. They are dark, I mean I, I think Barrett said when you I was a bit darker. You, 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 you can barely see the comedy, you've got to look hard no. But I mean it's, it definitely is in there. Uh, to me, um, growing up in Glasgow, there were absolutely Glasgow stories, you know, the idea of um, folk running about with samurai swords and uh-huh. you know, things like that. I was like, yeah, that's, that's the folk that I knew uh-huh. or, or tried to stay away from, more uh-huh. likely. Um, was it you know, friends and characters and, mm. and people you grew up with that you kind of wanted to write about? Aye, aye, because when you're writing stories, it makes it more, it's more believable when you're writing about the kind of people you know, and then if you can draw off any of your characters and blow them up and yeah. kind of make them a bit more colourful, then it kind of makes but, them feel better. Because I thought, well, there's not folk who uh, have written a lot about the you know, working class uh, Glasgow characters in this way. I aye. mean, there are kind of serious books like you know James Kelman's books. Mm-hmm. Aye. Um, uh, I think um, Jeff Torrington. Oh, did you talk about got a bit of humour about him and Agnes Owens, mm-hmm. uh, Gentleman of the West. But uh, the kind of real surreal humour of you, you're talking about the moth and the aye. ear and all that kind of going on. Uh, I think that's just a reflection of, of how you see things. I think that's it, aye, as well. I you've got to laugh or you would cry. That's it, aye, that's it. I know, I think, I don't know, Glasgow got a bit of a bad rap and it's painted this kind of dark, morbid city for like crime and drugs, and I just wanted to kind of show the kind of weird, there's funny a, side. There is, there's a funny <laughs> side to that, you <laughs> know, I mean, uh, I used to work in uh, what's now the Merchant City, but when I started it was still kind of the beginning of the East End of Glasgow in the oh, restaurants, really? and we used to get a lot of guys who are clearly gangsters coming Aye. in, you know, that, they wouldn't hide it at all, Aye. Thompson and, you know, at least they were named, their books were on sale <laughs> in Washington, <laughs> uh, but there was, a, there was always a funny side to that, often when the lawyers would come in and have a look at them and then leave again and stuff like that, and, and you know, you would hear stories about how uh, they were opening loads of tanning salons in East End of Glasgow because it was an easy way of putting money for it, so it is looking at that, what, as you say, to some people will be a dark life and saying mm-hmm. yeah but there's a hell of a lot of humour in here as well. my granddad used to tell a story he used to work in the fruit market and one of the buses oh, yeah. was um, this kind of gangster guy and the guy he used to have this wee, like, wee water gun he would keep it in his inside pocket but it was full of like, petrol so if people were kind of getting cheeky with him they would just kind of squirt them and they would smell it and then it would kind of flash his lighter that's terrifying man <laughs> but brilliant <laughs> brilliant genius know what I mean <laughs> because there's all stuff that LinkedIn uh, stuff between Glasgow and the idea that, for what were a better term, the cowboys, certainly the myth, the American myth of the West and all oh, that, yeah. you see it in like, the Grand Old Opry bars, oh, and you yeah. see it in, you know, various, in the music, the love of country and Western oh, music and stuff like that, and I think there was a, some of that built in all the movies as well, oh, Definitely. so there was guys, you know, even when we were at school, the guys who genuinely called themselves gangsters, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's just a wee boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've told this story before on here, but uh, I'm going to repeat it again. Aye. I know that you did a, um, a talk uh, at school with Sam Best. Aye, that's right, aye. Some boy, aye. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, I know Sam, Sam's been on one of these, actually, a long time ago. When he, uh, but um, he was saying that it was noticeable in his class that there was uh, kids who never took an interest in reading, but then they heard your stories and they identified, I mean, almost directly, because it was a lot of set in that part of Glasgow, 
Uh, is that something that was kind of a surprise to you or important to you? I mean, how do you feel about you know influencing folk? Aye, it, was, it was a big surprise. I, I don't know. I wasn't, wasn't expecting the book to kind of resonate with kids and people who weren't the readers, but that's, yeah. that's brilliant. That's really, that's really made, it's, I mean, made it's up such an that, interesting right? thing because you know, following you on Twitter, often mm-hmm. folk post up here, I'm reading things. I haven't read a book in years, or my wife says, what are you doing reading a book? I, know, I, like like that. Stuff. I, I mean, it really has a, a connection. It's an amazing feeling, really, really chuffed bits with that. Um, it's really, really cool. Especially when I was doing the talk with, with Sam's class, it was it was weird, I don't know, I was expecting the kids to just kind of like, I don't know, just think, <laughs> I this guy, like, like I, but like, I was talking, they were actually listening, I believe that. I was, I was quite taken aback by that. <laughs> but I think you can overestimate, um, underestimate the power of someone uh, reading stories in a voice that the kids recognise that they hear mm-hmm. at home or they hear in the playground or they hear in the street. Aye. And for me, when I was about 14, I went to a talk at Stirling Uni, we were taken by my Aye. teacher at the time, and it was the writer Callum McDougall, mm-hmm. and it's the same thing. Glasgow guy reading from his collection of short stories Aye. and I was like oh right that's not for other people that's for Aye, me as well. as well and I think that's Aye. that's a, a massive thing for folk mm-hmm. and I think it's probably one of the reasons that Hings has been the kind of success it has mm-hmm. it's how's it how's it travelled how do folk from outside of Glasgow take it because it's I think it's very it's Glasgow a very, yeah, it's a very Glasgow book Aye. Um, it seems that it's done well in Edinburgh and then up north as well um, I think it's kind of trickling its way down south slowly but surely um, a couple of people kind of pick up down yeah. there, which is really cool but, um, and, and good feedback from them good right? feedback aye um, I think the kind of Glasgow dialect that I write in that kind of Scots it's not as it's a bit more accessible I think than like the kind of Edinburgh kind of dialect or the, the kind of old Scots the most yeah, kind of traditional yeah, Scots yeah, yeah, yeah. so I think that's maybe been makes it a bit easier to kind of decipher <laughs> but I mean I think the language is interesting I know mm. uh, that when uh, Trainspotting came out, one of the, the criticisms of it was, well, I have no idea what that. I, think, I remember reading Trainspotting and picking it up, aye. and it took me a couple of chapters. I'm the same, I. To get into it. But you tune into it eventually, You, you aye. do tune in, and it's similar with uh, um, when I read A Clockwork Orange, which is written in its own aye. kind of. It's the same language, isn't it? The same language. <laughs> but you do eventually tune in into it. So aye. I would say that anyone who you know thinks they might struggle at the beginning um, uh, won't, you know, they'll get tuned in. Mm-hmm. So. Definitely. And uh, I remember when uh, when James Kelman won the Booker mm-hmm. for uh, how late it was, how late. Mm-hmm. One of the I think it was Simon Jenkins in the Times had said reading James Kelman's how late it was, how late mm-hmm. is like being assaulted on a train by a Glasgow drunk <laughs> on the way back from London. <laughs> I mean, it was something outrageous that he said, and I was thinking, I wonder. I think Kelman might be quite proud of that. Or something I, like I that. do quite like that. Uh, has there been any negative reactions to it at all? Or was there anyone saying, "Oh, we don't want our city portrayed like that"? No, nothing like that. Um, couple of the kind of I try. I don't read reviews anymore because yeah. I read a couple of shockers and I was like, Oof, "No reading them anymore." I think, I think you're quite right. I think you're quite right. Yeah. <laughs> so when it first came out, I was the first reviews were brilliant reviews for yourself, and I was mm. like, "Oh, this is amazing!" I just wanted to see them all and see what people are saying, and then. I get the first bad one, they just knocked me for six. I was yeah. Like, oh, fuck. Yeah. My bet's not that good. <laughs> so I was like, right, I just won't read them anywhere and then I won't. I, I think I know a lot of people Everybody that. Gets don't it, read right. them when they're good, don't read them when they're bad, aye. and then you just think, well, I'm going to, it's going to not going to affect my life. Because I think even if you get really good ones, mm-hmm. then as you said, there was pressure with this follow up, and that's probably so. because you went, oh, God, people rather like that. Aye, aye. <laughs> aye, and then why, why did they kind of 
the bad reviews on Amazon was like, oh, this is, this is a book for Neds. Nah, it's not for Neds, Jesus. There's no need for that. That's just cheeky. I mean, it's just wrong, apart from anything else. I know. So, you've got to follow it up, and you sit down, you get your blank screen, a blank page or whatever. How did you, and that's quite a daunting thing to do. It was. The first maybe half a dozen stories I wrote for the new book were terrible because instead of changing my style for things, I was still in the mindset of things, so yeah. I was still trying to write stories that would, that would fit in there. And they just they weren't any good. They were just, they were like, when I was writing them, it was like somebody else was writing them pretending to be me, like trying yeah, to write ah, my style yeah, almost, yeah. you know what I mean? How did I write a Chris McQueen story? That ah, that's what it felt like, and it was like, they weren't only funny, I was like trying too hard to write the punchlines and they just they were just only funny and they were just falling flat and I was just it was like I was running out of ideas and I was like, Oh, this is this is terrible. But um at this point I was uh, I'd started college, I was studying creative yeah. writing at City Glasgow College and we were um studying Muriel Spark yeah. and I read uh, Portobello Road. Yeah. And that was amazing. I was like, right, I want to try and write something like that. So I wrote a story after life. So that was moving away from kind of punchline humour and writing something a wee bit darker and deeper into the characters and I just had great fun writing it and I was like oh, this is much better than these last half a dozen mm-hmm. stories that I've tried to write so that was like me kind of light bulb mode for me I was like right I can go a wee bit darker a wee bit deeper try and you know, push myself a wee bit harder as a writer I'm not going to improve if I just keep writing to punchlines keep writing to jokes and stuff I still write there's a couple of them in the book but I much prefer writing the kind of longer and darker and weirder stuff now. I think having read the book it's definitely that kind of progression um, it's Clearly, you know, I mean, as I said to you before we started, uh, I felt I was in safe hands when Big Angie appears again on the first chapter. Yes, because uh, for those who haven't read Hines, uh, her character is an absolute standout. But there is no doubt as well that, as you say, it kind of there's a progression in it. There's no serious side to it. Um, and Muriel's parts are interesting on because one, I think she does dark humour very well. And sometimes I think people miss that. Aye. But I mean, it's right through all her stuff, mm. absolutely. You know? And and also. Uh, she is a really good writer of short fiction aye, even her novels are quite, mm-hmm. well, a lot of them are quite short mm-hmm. um, so you're doing the writing course uh, mm-hmm. creative writing I'm always interested in these courses what kind of does that involve? I um, when I started that I was a wee bit worried because I was like a couple of people had said to me you know don't let them like kind of smooth off the kind of rough edges of your writing if you know what yeah, I mean like, don't yeah. let them kind of quieten your voice don't let them change your style and stuff so I was like right and it felt a wee bit at the start, I was like, well, this is just going to be like, you know, writing by numbers, like, you need to do this, 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 for a story to work. But it wasn't like that at all. It was like, they were showing you these rules, but then they were like, you know, you don't need to stick with them, you know, you yeah. can miss them out, you can add other ones in. And then once you know the rules, you know how to break them. And I think that, that was, that's helped me get a lot better as a writer. I was yeah. really, really chuffed, really, really um, happy with that course, really glad I'd done it. And as well as that, it was like, so it was like teaching you how to write short stories or getting down to the brass tacks it, how to properly do it. And then, kind of touched on novels and then there was a bit of script writing so writing for the telly a wee bit of writing for the radio and then a wee bit of journalism as well so I've kind of tamed for all that and kind of used yeah. it to, so there's that story in the new book called Interview with the Shoe Guy and I wrote it like <laughs> kind of um, I tried to write it like a Peter Ross article yeah. that would yeah, yeah. I tried to write it like that so that's what I was going for and that was kind of using my journalism stuff at college and taking for that so. yeah it's a great so again I, I guess it probably happens in every city but that own shoe usually <laughs> kind of balanced on a wire Aye. in the city it's just like what's going on uh, so so far it's, it's all been um, short fiction um, mm-hmm. and is that something that you were kind of comfortable with doing some of them really quite short 
I um, that's felt when I was when I first kind of dabbled in writing. I was thirteen, fourteen, tried to write a novel, mm-hmm. just felt nah, too long. Can I stick at it? I'm not getting attention span. So then when I started properly writing two years ago, when short fiction just felt natural, just yeah. I'd read like Michael Faber and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that's that's what I want to do. I was uh, doing stuff like that. It just felt natural, but no, like stories I'm writing are getting longer. Yeah. Every every one I write seems to get longer and longer, so yeah, I'm building up to a novel, so <laughs> <laughs> nearly that's probably a good way of doing it. <laughs> and I think as well mm. that uh, in the last few years short fiction has really come into its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, well when I started um uh, doing reviews and stuff you would get the other bit of short fiction. Mm-hmm. Um and it was never kind of taken as seriously as novels were, you know, sure It you was know. something that maybe writers did between aye, novels. Aye. Um Kelman's a great example, I think James mm-hmm. Kelman's short fiction is fantastic, mm-hmm. I think it's perhaps where he does his best, mm-hmm. but then folk went all into the next novel, but with yourself, I think with Helen McCloy's collections oh, were fantastic, amazing, and uh, so Anna was a Macintosh before that, and there was mm-hmm. I mean, uh, uh, just some uh, Vicky Jarrett's collection that came out, mm-hmm. some amazing short fiction that doesn't feel the need to apologise for it, you know, aye, kind of, aye, this is it, aye. and I think almost the kind of change in mediums and things like Twitter and things, you know, where, where you're kind of Pushed down to a certain amount of characters. I know uh, David Ross is brilliant on Twitter because oh, he says he's not wake up in the morning and all this stuff. <laughs> and you know, I use it really creatively. And uh, and um, and there's a lot of people. You know, I think uh, Sanjeev Kohli often puts, mm-hmm. tries jokes out on oh, and things like that. And I, I think it's definitely affected <laughs> fiction as well. Right? I, think you know, so, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think Lemmy's got. He said a big say in it as well. Like That's with his, right. with his book of short stories, I think that kind of opened a lot of people. Because you've got a lot of people who are on the readers into reading as well. Right. And then they've kind of then got into short fiction and stuff, and then that's been good for me. That's been. Yeah. So, aye. Uh, I mean, Lemmy's interesting, obviously, because he does short nearly everything. I think mm-hmm. he likes that. He does his vines and he does and all that. And I know that you've done a little bit of stuff in video as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? I've done a wee bit of, done a wee bit of stuff. I've done some stuff for tenants where I was like. Hosting a kind of spelling bee through in Edinburgh, it was great fun. Um, just getting <laughs> um, like American tourists to spell the Scots words, that was good fun. Um, what kind of stuff? I was like, can you spell, just get up to them and go, listen, can you spell Glacier? Or can you spell Bahuki? You know, like, can I daft Scots word? And just the confusion on their faces if I was talking Chinese or something. It was, it's funny, just recently <laughs> I was trying to work out what the exact spelling of Keek was. Oh, I'm saying, was it E E C H or was it E I C H? You know, I know. <laughs> Sometimes there's no definite answer to these. I think we've got something that's not standardised spelling. Yeah, so it's just, yeah, yeah. It's good. But it's so interesting. That, I mean, these these were words uh, that you didn't see written down on the page. You know, ah, very true. early. You know, you've been there a few books, but you really had Aye. to go and, and, and find them out. Aye. But yet, it's what you know, my grand granddad, and you know, I mean, they were Aye. used in the house, Aye. so they just weren't used right. on the page. And I think that's, that's right. what Scottish writing kind of got lost a little bit because. Mm-hmm. Like we were saying earlier, you weren't reading about people who you knew or mm-hmm. you know your dad's were mates in the pub with and things like that. Aye, that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much when you've got a collection of short stories? Uh, are there, do you write loads and then just pick the best, or do you do you, do you go right? I've done them now. That they'll all work. How does it work? It's a bit like um, I don't know. It's weird. I don't really plan too much, so um, I just kind of sit down and write. If it's good, it's good. I've got like two folders on the computer, one with like, like kind of drafts and like yeah. kind of half finished stories and that. And then I've got like a final one where it's like these will be kind of a collection, these will be so I put like the best ones in there. I just kind of drag and drop as I finish them as with the good ones. And then, and then once I've got, once I feel like I'm happy with it and I feel like 
can't improve it. I'm like, aye, this is it, this is it. So, like, I went way over the deadline with this book. <laughs> <laughs> it was like eight weeks over the deadline, man. Deadlines, ah, listen, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. I know. Uh, so, you're published by uh, 404 Inc., who aye. we've had on the podcast, um, Heather and Laura, and I think you're one of the most interesting publishers uh, aye, that's out there mm-hmm. um, how does it work with them I mean you've got an editor or I've got an editor aye, so they put me in touch with a guy called Robbie Gillery who's oh, a brilliant editor really I can't, work, you know, I can't imagine working with anybody else yeah. now like hope I can stick with him through my career because he's brilliant it's man. a really important relationship and I think mm-hmm. a lot of people who are not involved in, in writing don't maybe realise it but the, the relationship between an editor and a writer is absolutely key Aye. because they need writers need to trust you mm-hmm. you need to trust the publisher and to say that well mm-hmm. even when um, you might not entirely agree with them sometimes you go well I've got to, I've got to do that that's the thing with Robin with Robin we, the first bit hangs really 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 hard on me so it was, but I think when we met, when we met up, and he's like, "I'm being hard on you, but it's because I, I can see the potential in this book. I know you can, you can make it a lot better than it is. We just need to fix some wee things." And like, kind of like, put his arm around me, and he's like, "Here's what we're going to do. Here's how we can make these stories better." And he wasn't like explicitly telling me how to do it. No, he was kind of like just nudging me in the right direction, yeah, and letting yeah, me kind of yeah. do it myself, which was really cool. And then, and then seeing what he's done with my new collection as well was amazing. Like, he's like, kind of like suggested wee changes, and he's like. He's writing suggestions for changes, and he's written them exactly how I would write them because he's, like, he's in my head now. Yeah. It's fucking so weird. It's yeah. Um, that's amazing. And, um, I think that's, that's uh, so interesting. Um, and did, was there less things to change on the new one? Had you kind of developed so that you were closer to what he thought he um, Because working well in the first book, I, just, I learned so much. I just became, I came out the processor. Working well was maybe about two months solid, just working with him, making it better. So I came out that process a much better writer. And then I was more equipped to do a lot of self-editing with the new book. So when it came around to doing the edit, there wasn't, wasn't that much yeah. to change. You know what I mean? Because I was kind of like, he's in my mindset. And I'm yeah, and like, like, yeah, absolutely. So I'm reading the stories and going, nah, that's not right. That's similar to a mistake I made in the first one that Robbie changed, so I can change it in the new. And then that's it. That's, that's brilliant. And uh, you say, you know, your stories are getting longer. Mm-hmm. Are you at the point where you're writing a novel yet? Or is it... I've got... Um, an idea, and um, I'm just kind of fleshing it out. I know, I know. I published this one, but, I but I'm, I am interested mainly because how that relationship will then move into aye. to novel writing, because, you know, there's no it's doubt totally it is a different aye. thing. Definitely, yeah, aye. Yeah. But I can't wait. Um, I've got it all, kind of, I know how it's, I know how the story, the novel starts, I know how it ends, it's just getting the right characters kind of fleshed out, and I can't wait to get sit, sit down and write it. Um, so the the characters and the places uh, in, in in both books mainly uh, are um, local to you, oh, yeah, you know, in, in yeah. Glasgow. Was there feedback from people that thought they were in the book? I was a few, I a few family friends. <laughs> if you read the stories, you'll know why I'm laughing at that because that's uh, that's interesting. And anyway, was there anything like I can't believe you, you did that or said that? Because I think they're really honest stories. You know, I mean, I think. Uh, I know I've been talked to other writers that certainly the first few books they go they kind of self-edit and go mm. oh, no, I can't say that or I can't Aye. do that but I don't think there's that way you would tell I felt like that wee bit with the first book I was like I was there was I, I held back a wee bit with things because I don't know I was still I was worried that people would think it was dead weird or something with the first book so um, that is things is, is quite weird right enough but um, with this book <laughs> now you go <laughs> I'll be I don't care Aye, that's it that's, that's it with the new book HWFG I was just like do you know what everybody knows I'm weird I know I'm weird let's just go for it and then I just didn't hold, didn't hold back and then I just went for it and yeah. then 
haven't got a lot of happy other stuff. Because there is, there's no doubt, um, in, in uh, HWFG that uh, there's more surrealism, or surrealism's maybe not the right word, but you know, as you say, you've got the, the moth, mm-hmm. and, and you know, there's, there's other little twists that you go, um, one of my favourites is the... Um, Loyalist heavy metal band. Things like that. This is brilliant stuff. Because I think it's, I think you know you're saying uh, worried that people thought it was weird, but I think mm. what it is is coming up with things that readers just wouldn't come up with, and they go, "All oh, right, that's what makes an interesting it. writer." Aye, ah, that's a good point. That's a good way of looking at it. So. So your your feedback has has been good uh, mm-hmm. all all around the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were saying that they uh, kind of gave you more pressure to, to, to kind of do this. So, how did you kind of get over that pressure? Did you just have to kind of force yourself down to do it? Or, or were you getting feedback as you were writing stories? No, really, no, I've not really let anybody read the new stories apart from um, when I was writing it, apart from the editor and the publishers, that was it. That was the only people that, that yeah. read it. So, like, with things like my mum, my girlfriend, my, yeah. my grand and grand and stuff, they read the kind of first drafts of the stories that were in things, but the new one, I was like, no, I want to. I just want to. Myself, really. I think, yeah, that's good <laughs> because like I mean, maybe you know, someone else might go, Oh, I don't think you should have. Put aye, that in, and it might, it might change your mind a bit. There's like a wee kind of, there's a wee change of tone for things to HWFG, it's a darker book, so yeah. I, I didn't want somebody saying, Letting them read by the darker stories and going, Oh no, I preferred the kind of more slapstick humour that was in things, so that would have mm. put me off writing it. And yeah, yeah. So, but, um, I'm interested to see how it kind of gets received this new book. I'm looking forward to yeah. seeing uh, what people uh, like. I think, <laughs> I think uh, you'll be safe on it. As I say, Big Angie comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, was that to kind of link the two together, or was it just you wanted to write more about her? Or? I just wanted to write more about her. Aye. She was, um, Explain about who she is. Aye, so, she's a great character. Aye, so Big Angie, she's in my first book, Hang. She's in a story called Bulls. And, um, so... The story Bowls, that was a story that I wrote. I'd done a creative writing kind of night class over at um, uh, Glasgow Clyde College yeah, at Langside yeah, yeah. campus. And um, so that was just like a kind of 12 week long night class. And um, over that 12 weeks, we were meant to write a short story. So the first kind of three or four weeks, we were all the planning and stuff. And I had never done all that kind of planning for a mm. short story. So the lecturer, Henry, she was getting us right, you know, I want you to write a kind of a biography of your character and your secondary character I want to know everything about them and so the actor the actor doing that and it just got me right into the mindset of Big Angie and she just became like a real person almost like I, like, I know everything about her it's kind of it's weird and when I'm writing her she's kind of she's doing things that surprise me it's weird like, that, that <laughs> is weird mind, no no I know exactly I mean, I've been done I, I've done a, a, a writing course a night course I mean long time ago and uh, that aspect of it is really strange because you have the person turn the corner and a scene happens and you're uh, like where did that come from I, I have no idea it's, it's, it's strange <laughs> yeah. and then because she is so fleshed out because we've done all that planning beforehand Bowles just kind of wrote itself because and then it was the same when I, I wrote the new story Big Angie goes to the correct hour. I just wanted to get back into her and I wanted to see what else I can do with her so and then that was that was another one that just wrote itself because she, she almost does what she wants like yeah. on the paper it's weird so um, I'm going to, she's in the new novel because she's like, I think she's the best character I've came up with and I'm really proud of her, so yeah. I'm going to kind of do more with her. And see, also see what she does. See what she does next time. Because she's bold. <laughs> <Aye>. <laughs> uh, you said that you'd looked at um, 
about like screenwriting and stuff as well mm. when you're doing your course. Is that something that you would be interested in? Definitely, I so um, I've pitched a kind of adaptation, a Hings, a tele adaptation oh, Hings right. to the BBC. Um, pitched that a few times. And um, I can neither confirm nor deny that it's being made. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so um, I've been just kind of adapting the stories, kind of fought with telly, just on the off chance it does get made. So, um, and that's been really cool, like rewriting the stories, going right. back to the stories okay. that I wrote two years ago and kind of rewriting it in a different form. It's, it's really and going cool. back to what you said about um, writing big Angies that are involving backstories and you know, character yeah, 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 analysis that, and all right. that kind of stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's good. It's a totally different art form. So it's really unique kind of show things rather than you, know, you can tell it in a story you know you can, Absolutely right. you can do all the expedition in a short story myself just you know well, this is what's happening but in a right for the telly you know it has to all be done by dialogue and just by showing stuff with the camera so it's, it's totally different it forces you to think differently and forces you to write better which is good uh, I, mean, I know you can't see whether it's happening or not but right. how uh, have you chosen is it individual stories or is it how is the format of it um, I'm hoping to do like um, like in a Twilight Zone kind of style, so like like kind of half an hour episodes with three three different stories in them. So, um, Twilight Zone's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's that's kind of format I've got in my head. It remains to be seen if that's gonna if that's how it's gonna go. See, if only they set the Twilight Zone in East End, like Glasgow, would be a very very. No. Aye. Um, and I've seen you like uh, readings over the mm-hmm. over the years and all over the year probably, mm-hmm. and uh, performance is a big part of it. Is this something that you are aware of yourself that you know you're you're almost a natural performer? I love it. I um, almost like stand up comedy. I mean, it's I, not, there is that vibe to it. I, you know, the room really gets into it. I, <laughs> I love I love performance. When I started writing it, I don't know. I never never even crossed my mind to try and tell stories. I didn't know. I didn't know it was a thing, I had no idea about the yeah, sport yeah. world scene in Scotland, I just kind of fell into it and yeah. I just loved it. Um, I just I love love performance, really, yeah. it's great fun. I mean, it's Still, a really thriving scene for folks I, who don't know. Um, every town and city will have some kind of night on um, almost amazing, most, of the, most weekends, definitely. It's amazing. I, I've made like mates for life like, through these through the kind of sport world circuit in Scotland, it's brilliant. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, the one at Martin Gerrity's. Oh, I yeah, yeah. and uh, Falkirk, I like Falkirk's thriving. Wasn't Absolutely, you got off the train, folks. Don't just stay on and go to Edinburgh. <laughs> off the train at Falkirk. And uh, uh, that night there was uh, Julia Rea, Stephen Watt, who's a fantastic poet, uh, Martin himself. And there was just, I mean, it was a, it was a great night. And just every, everyone really different, but everyone Aye. really entertaining. And uh, um, it's the same when I go through to Edinburgh for the festival, I always look out. To see who's doing the spoken word things, uh, Jenny sure. Lindsay this year, um, oh, Alan Bissett in recent years, oh, uh, it's just fantastic people. Oh, yeah, I know. It's um, it's not every writer that will be able to do that, uh, and I think increasingly there's a uh, a pressure on writers to be able to perform. I think that sometimes that's a bit of a shame if they can't do it, but when mm-hmm. you can do it, it's a really good it's thing. A massive help, I, I, I'd recommend it to any writer. Like, yeah at least give it a go, you know what I mean? If you think, oh, I'd be terrible at that, or if you don't think your stories would work, or if you're just stage fighting, just give it a go. Like, yeah, I agree, because if your stories work on the page, then they'll work good chance out loud, right, and you'll get it, um, you know, whether they're funny, or whether they're mm-hmm. sad, or whatever they are, mm-hmm. or weird, you know, the folk will get it, and, aye, aye, really, and what I think about these things is, everyone in the room's on your side, you know, you're not, it, it'd be very rare, that you would aye. get someone <laughs> who would heckle you. No, I've been doing it, that's been, about 18 months or something I've been doing it for I've never been heckled so <laughs> everybody's it's dead supportive it's a good it's a cracking scene so. uh, and I think it's a good scene for in terms of uh, 
getting feedback from other writers and, you know, and things like that and, and seeing how other writers do things. Aye. You know, I know mm. having spoken to Martin uh, about that, that he's definitely felt that that's helped his Aye, stuff. Definitely, I can see it with Martin and stuff like um, his dialogue works really well when he's reading it. It gives you a better ear for dialogue when you're I think that's right. You get the voice. Aye. And I think mm-hmm. if the voice isn't right, um, then folk will tell straight away. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's what your stories have as well. You know, they, they, you absolutely believe these people. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, talk of support, uh, as I say, you're published by 404 Inc. Aye. And they seem to be an incredibly supportive and hands-on publisher. brilliant. Aye. Um, I'm really, really lucky to have such a good publishers behind me. Um, I think they're, they're very clever and uh, that makes it sound like you know, they've been deliberately... About what I mean, <laughs> they have been really good at picking writers and projects mm-hmm. and not overburdening. You know, they felt, right, we're going to put 100% support behind these people, behind this book mm-hmm. and make it the best it can be. Aye, I think that's the thing, working with a kind of independent publisher. Like, you know, they're working on one book at a time so when it's, it's your turn, you're getting 100%. Yeah. They're only a message away, they're right back with, you know, ideas and stuff and feedback and that's brilliant you, know, you wouldn't get that kind of hands-on approach with a bigger publisher well I know uh, even you know in the small publishers then there's a temptation to kind of grow mm-hmm. and sometimes grow far too quickly in the time I mean you know but I think it seems to me that the, the Heather and Laura learnt the lessons from from the from Aye. other people's mistakes and that kind of way. They've got their head screwed on and they know what they're doing. Um, so what, in terms of, uh, you've got the HWFG, now I should say, how did you come up with the title? That wasn't my idea, that was the publishers. So it was, um, my original title for the new book was Repeat Prescription. Right. Um, I really liked it, that was one I was kind of had my heart set on, but we really struggled coming up with like a front cover. And it's a great front cover. And Aye. I think what the way again, it's really clever, is there'll be people going, what does that mean? Aye, aye, kind of. You know, aye, and uh, oh, they'll know what it means, but they'll think, oh, why have I put up? You know, and, and the front cover looks amazing. It's amazing, I am. Oh. But, um, I so would repeat prescription when I was calling it that. Like, they were struggling to get, get the cover right, you know what I mean? Because yeah. how do you get the feel of that? And yeah. it, it was too long, and it was a wee bit doer sounding, it sounded like kind of. And you don't want drugs on this page. No, it's, like, it's, it's a bit try hard and a bit. Yeah. And then I was like, I think because we were struggling to get the cover with that title, it was getting me done and I was kind of worrying about the book. It was, you know, it was kind of, yeah, I yeah, felt yeah, quite yeah. negative about the book Aye. because of it. And then just Lauren Heather just phoned me one day, like kind of conference call thing, they're like, right, we've got an idea. Like, we think the issue just now why we can't get the cover right is the title was too long, it doesn't sound right. It's kind of, even when you say it, it doesn't sound quite right. And I was like, right, right, so what do we do now? And they're like, right, we've got an idea, why don't we call it Here We Fucking Go? Just have the cover, four big letters, HWFG. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wish I thought of that was I, it's, it's perfect I, because uh, that's what I thought when I was reading it was that uh, you fucking go again absolutely and that's a great sign of that kind of collaboration that you don't just say oh, that'll do aye, it's like, no, no, something's not right aye, and especially if it's affecting you and the way mm. that you view the book I mean it would have been hellish to put something out and go I'm not happy with this side. Yeah, because if you're not, then that's the thing. I know. <laughs> uh, so, what's, uh, what's next then? If, if you can see that far ahead? I am. Um, well, keep going with my screenwriting, try and get this yeah. thing's adaptation, try and get it try and get it made. We've just got to need to like, make it like, make it myself, I think, by the looks of it, and then just try and get it on the telly. The BBC will say aye eventually. And <laughs> you did uh, short films with aye. someone, didn't you? Made a couple of 
um, two guys, Chris and David, so they're for, they've kind of created a wee production company called Grave Day Productions and they make kind of daft sketches and stuff and then they go and touch me, they read my book and they were like, you know, why don't, you know, you write a wee kind of short film, uh, write a short story and we'll adapt it as a film and stuff. So I made a couple with them and it was good, but I was like, I feel like we can do, we can do better, you know what I mean? Like we can push this a wee bit further and we can, you know, imagine if, imagine if we had like, a wee bit of money behind yeah, us, imagine yeah, if we yeah. pitched it as a teleprogram and that, so we have, so we'll see what happens. And um, I think I writing for the telly and stuff, it's, what I'd love to do love going to forward. Do. Like, uh, my uh, ultimate yeah. goal would be like, to be like a guest writer on like Black Mirror or something like that. That's, that's my, <laughs> that's my <laughs> absolute that's dream. Or, or, or just, you make your own Black Mirror. Right? Aye, that's a good show. Well, I mean, that's, I couldn't, can't wait to see what you do next, but what I will say Aye. is, let's not get ahead of ourselves, because it's is out on... 8th of November. 8th of November, and uh, yeah. uh, I'm sure you will all get a copy of it. Uh, you should do, because it's it's uh, fantastic stories. Oh, cheers, and man. if you like things, you're going to love it, no doubt about it. Cheers, man. Uh, well, listen, Chris, thanks uh, for coming on and doing that. Well, thanks a million, Alistair. Cheers, cheers thanks, for getting on. Thanks for the reading at the start as well. <laughs> uh, uh, what the story was called... Brexit. Yeah, of course it was. Of course it was. Uh, we could have had a chat about Brexit, but now we'll, 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 we'll turn this off. Uh, so thanks again, and uh, Cheers, we'll be back soon with uh, someone completely different. Cheers. Mm-hmm.